Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about moving from track building to custom renovations with the help of a special guest, Scott Frederick of Live Companies in Burr Ridge, Illinois. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Keep the ideas coming in. We really appreciate uh, hearing from people. And uh, if you really want to be on the show and you've got a great idea, just let me know, Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com, and I'll be more than happy to talk to you about that and uh, probably get you on the show because we like having a lot of good ideas uh, to pass on. So a while back, and it may have been four or five years now, I did a survey of all the members of Remodelers Advantage, and we asked them a question like, have you hired project managers over the last two years? And then if they had, then they could continue the survey because we were interested in finding out like, where do they come from and who are they and how'd you find them and things like that. So one of those questions really was, what were they doing before you hired them in to your business? And no big surprise, many of them were already in the remodeling world, but there were a few that were hired from the new home construction world and brought into the uh, remodeling or renovation world. And back many episodes ago, actually episode 12, we spoke with a fellow named Kevin Gregory out in Boulder that had made this transition from semi-custom track construction of new homes uh, to a very successful uh, career in renovation. And so we wanted to find another guest that had had this experience, and that's what we'll be talking about today. Now, before we get to talking to him, I just want to say that a lot of us remodelers, and I'll kind of include me in here, although not quite as bad as some others, have a real extreme bias against new home builders. I hear, you know, remodelers all over say things like, oh, they've got it so easy, everything is new, right? Well, you know what? It's not quite that easy just because it's new. Or, or they'll say things like, oh man, they've got it easy because there's no one living in the house. Now that is, you know, much easier about, you know, new homes than it is remodeling. Or now this is kind of, you know, derogatory here, but it's like, ah, they just throw it together. They don't care about quality. And so you get all these statements. And then I think sometimes that creates this bias where, we don't appreciate perhaps what some of those people who do care about quality and do care about people and, and all those other things, some of those people moving into the renovation world can really bring some of the good stuff that comes from that new home building world into the remodeling world and perhaps change things just a little bit. So Steve, let's go ahead and get started. 
Let's do it. So Scott Frederick was hired two years ago as project manager with Live Companies. The purpose of the hire was to bridge the gap from the owner and the site supervisor so that the owner could spend more time growing the business and less time being involved in each individual project. Scott started in remodeling when he was in high school and this continued while pursuing a degree in architecture. As he was pursuing that degree, he realized that he enjoyed the building side of the business more than the architecture side. So when he went to get his bachelor's in construction management from Ferris State University, and I'll note a famous alumni, Victoria Downing from that <laughs> university. Once out of school, he moved back to Chicago and began working in the production builder arena. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hello, guys. Um, thanks for having me on. Tim and Steve, um, fan of the show and excited to actually be on today. That's always good when the guest says I'm a fan of the show instead of something <laughs> like I hate this show, but I'm here anyway. You know, so uh, so Scott, let's just start with the new home experience to start with. Kind of paint the picture for us. You know, we don't need to name names or anything like that, but paint the picture for us about the builder that you worked for, like how many homes a year did you build and were they in isolated areas or they were like those those you know large developments that we see sometimes going up in very paint paint that picture for us so we understand a little bit about where you've come from sure tim uh i worked actually kind of a, during a unique time i worked in the production builder forum from about 03 to 2013 so in that uh, time period was obviously the housing bubble, um, the growing of it and the deflation of it. Right. But uh, yeah, I worked for the largest home builder in the country. So we had uh, a lot of exposure. Um, one of the good things that went along with it was the amount of training. It was a unique uh, experience because it was a fortune 500 company. It's publicly traded. So kind of a different look at how you're, you know, you're going to be building homes. It wasn't just about the client. You did have to make numbers as you would in you know, any sort of uh, publicly traded company like that. But it was unique in that most of the people they hired, they hired straight from college. Didn't matter if they had a construction management degree. Didn't matter what their degree was. They were looking for a certain type of personality. And they would bring people in. And then they had an extensive amount of training. So myself, I had come in from... Uh, previous building background, I'd worked in remodeling. I had kind of run my own remodeling company while I was in college. And then, so I already had a, a basis for it. And I worked for another production builder for a short period of time and then get recruited by this larger builder. Um, so when I sat in these training classes, I sat there like a sponge. Just, I had already you know, done a lot of this work. I had already seen a lot of these problems and, uh, you know, now I was being trained on how to, how to do them correctly. So kind of like you were saying, there, there is a stigma that goes along with production building and track building and, you know, that we just kind of throw them up real quick. And um, that's part of it. That's part of the game. But with a company that was, I think in 05, we delivered over 50,000 homes in the country and over 2,500 in Chicagoland. So with that comes a lot of liability. You know, if you end up with, you're replicating that same product and if you end up with a leak in it, you end up with a leak in 2,500 homes or 50,000 <laughs> homes. So um, there's a lot of liability, a lot of uh, 
you know, we, we also offered the best warranty in the business at the time. So we knew we were coming back uh, to take care of any sort of issues like that. Right. So they did a really good job of making sure that we were trained, making sure that we were using top line materials. So at the time I used to kind of brag and, you know, there's a, the idea of, you know, a custom home. This is nowhere near a custom home, but there were times when I would tell custom home builders, I'll put my house up against yours any day of the week. <laughs> and I'm sure that mine will outperform it. Wow. Um, you know, the parts and pieces might not be the same. We're not using, you know, $50,000 cabinets for using, you know, track home cabinets, but you know, they're going to hold your pots and pans the same way. Um, <laughs> and they, and they were great products, yeah. but I, I kind of, you know, looked at it as, you know, a, a Toyota versus a Ferrari, you know, yeah. we're not building the Ferrari. We're not hand, hand detailing each one of these pieces, but that Toyota is going to last you, you know, 200,000 miles. It's going to last a long time. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things that I just remembered or took from one of my training things was, you know, before you stand up a wall, you put a bead of caulk down before you stand that wall up. And if you would have told me that when I was working as a carpenter, you know, that, that was really going to change the, the building envelope. You know, there was that much air that was going to get between a, a bottom plate and the subfloor. I'd have looked at you like you had three eyes. Right. But uh, with this company, we'd go through and we'd go through the houses in the middle of winter with infrared cameras and look at corners and look at problem areas and, you know, we'd address those, those areas where most of your custom home builders aren't going to go through, you know, number one, they probably don't have the means back in 03 to walk through with infrared cameras, but they also don't have the liability. They're not going to get called back for a, a cold corner or a little bit of frost in the corner or something like that, where, you know, when you're building 50,000 homes in the country, you might run into stuff like that. So yeah, it's definitely a, an interesting time to be, to be in that. Yeah. Let me just like, I do quite often and frequent listeners know that I'll quite often just pick up on things that are mentioned. And, and I just want to really emphasize what Scott said about the personality and then the training, you know, and I know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are not building 50,000 homes a year. They don't have that scale, but the idea of looking for the type of person that you want in your business and then training them is really critical, especially with, the labor shortage that we have because we need to be training and getting the right people in. So I just wanted to focus on that and then uh, we'll shift gears over to the actual transition now. So you've, you've moved over uh, to a renovation remodeling company. Uh, a little further north, it's always renovation and a little further south, it's always remodeling. But anyway, and so tell us about that company. What is, what's the, I mean, what do they do? What's their, what's their focus? What's your focus now in terms of the difference between the new home area and the renovation market? Sure. Uh, we're a design build company. We're a fairly small outfit. There's 10 of us in the company. Um, the company's two owners are an architect and a builder. So we're kind of uh, the truest sense of, of design build. It's great because we're not sitting in a, you know, a room with a, a client and an architect and a builder kind of battling across the table. Right. We, we work hand in hand and make sure that, you know, whatever the, the idea is that our client comes to us with, we can put that together on a piece of paper and the design team then can hand that off to the building team and we can go ahead and, and deliver that and meet the needs of, you know, client's imagination and, and what's going to work best for their family and their lifestyle. And are you doing 2,500 jobs a year? 
<laughs> we are definitely not doing 2,500 jobs a year. So we do about 15 to 20 or so. Okay. Um, and we're in the, the western suburbs of Chicago. So in, the, in this area, you know, we're probably only about 20 to 30 minutes outside of the, the downtown area. So this is an area that was developed, you know, some of the homes are hundred years old. Some of them were, you know, developed forties, fifties, seventies, stuff like that. So we, we get kind of a, a different mix of the houses we're going to remodel. But the nice thing is with that area that you have houses that people can buy in these neighborhoods that are smaller and still be able to put a pretty good renovation or a remodel onto that um, and still appraise out. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what, what got you going on making this shift? What, what was it? It sounds like you had a pretty good situation with the new home builder. It, was, it wasn't like you were running away from shoddy workmanship and just wanted to do a quality job. Um, what, what was it that made you think about making this uh, switch from the new home market to renovation? Yeah, I guess the, uh, the goofy part of that is I probably would have told you back when I graduated college that I would have never worked for a um, publicly traded home builder. I just, I have a creative side to me and kind of doing the assembly line wasn't really what I pictured myself doing. Um, but I worked there and like I said, I was, I was there during the housing bubble. So, you know, in 03 to 05, it, you couldn't have been in a better situation. We were we were having fun. We were building great products. I was extremely proud of what we were building. Um, I used to love taking my, my clients through a pre-drywall walk and just kind of pointing out everything we do in that, the shell of that house that, that makes us different. And you know, my clients would walk away from that feeling like they definitely made the right decision in what they bought. Um, and then the housing bubble burst and things um, vastly changed over the next eight years or so. A lot of people getting laid off in the industry. I think my construction department in Chicago had about 95 people in it. Um, when the bubble hit, or five years later, we were down to 16. Wow. So during that time, you weren't getting promoted. You weren't getting bonuses. You weren't getting raises. And it wasn't due to the company. It was just due to the sign of the times. And I had you know multiple offers during that period of time of you know opportunities to leave and, and go work for other builders and um, just kind of felt like I was in the company I wanted to be with, even knowing I wanted to get a little bit more creative as the market changed. Then so did that company. We had to kind of stop building communities with 300 homes and I'm going to start looking at smaller infill pieces. And with that, we were now able to start, you know, doing a little bit of custom work, doing some, moving some walls, stuff like that, where, you know, obviously the, the stigma or the, the idea of track home is that you don't, that the building stays the same. You know, people can maybe add some lighting and stuff like that, but for the most, for the most part, the architecture doesn't change. Um, right. So some of that had changed now and we were, we were able to start implementing, you know, a little bit more creativity and new products and stuff like that. But uh, I did have a, an offer that came across that I just couldn't refuse. And I actually left to go be the director of construction for a company that was flipping 30 homes a month in the oh, Chicago wow. land area. So <laughs> that may, that may be a different podcast altogether, <laughs> but, uh, but so I worked there for a couple of years. So kind of got back into the remodeling forum, but that was, you know, kind of the cross between remodeling and track home building. Um, and then from there, 
left that company, had another opportunity to go work for another flipper and just really didn't want to stay in that, that forum. And uh, started looking for companies that did unique stuff in residential. And I came across Live and uh, their website. And I just, I, I did everything I could to try and get my foot in the door here. And, uh, and was really glad I ended up getting the job. So is it, is it just the, cre- the opportunity to be creative and to do something unique? Is that sort of what, when you say the web, the web page, they must've shown you something in that web page that, sparked that interest in creativity or that desire to do something different? Yeah, they did. And I think that's, again, what's making us really successful with our clients as well is we do have a um, a very interesting team and we put together really unique projects. So uh, kind of our our thought or our, our idea is we have a lot of people moving out of the city and moving into these older homes that, you know, they were built for the older family, a dining room, a family room, a living room. uh, And now we're kind of taking our creative spin and able to, you know, take out some walls, add on and and make this into a a creative newer, um, I guess, more urban, I guess would be a decent word for it, but just be able to change those older homes. And that's, by the way, that's the area I grew up in too. So it's, it's nice to be kind of back in this area. Um, so it's comfortable for me, I guess, too. Yeah. Cool. So, all right. So, so you make the move. So you get, you're now the project, a project manager, uh, or you're moved back, you know, moved into this company. What was it that just surprised you the most? What was it that you know, you kind or was there anything that just kind of you went like, whoa, this is really different? Or maybe you had to step back a bit and say, let me get used to this or get get uh, to learn. Maybe I need to learn this to make this transition from new homes to the renovation. I think probably the biggest is just the trade base, trade availability. Um I know you guys have run into that in you know, other parts of the country, but it's, unfortunately, it, it doesn't seem like leaving high school and becoming a plumber is something that most students are looking to do anymore. Right. So, you know, it kind of, it kind of seems like society deems you as a failure if you leave high school and don't go to college. Right. And we need a lot of tradesmen. We need carpenters. We need electricians. We need plumbers. And those are admirable jobs. Unfortunately, they're just not deemed that way. So, Right now, we, we do have a shortage uh, of tradesmen. So trying to get trades that can meet our schedules, show up the day they're supposed to, be there, you know, the three, four, five, six days are on the schedule consistently, get their work done for the next trade has been probably one of the biggest challenges, the biggest things that I've had to adjust to. You know, coming from the production builder circuit, especially when times were good, we were building a new house every day. We built, you know, right down the street and you're, painter would just carry his bucket of paint right to the next house. <laughs> um, right. In, in this forum, it's a little bit different. And, you know, you, we basically just have to reach out to our trades a lot earlier, um, get, get on their calendars three, four weeks ahead of time. And then, you know, follow up within two weeks, follow them up again within a week and just, you know, let them know, you know, our date hasn't changed or our dates changed by a day or two. And then we have to have some leeway as well. I understand, you know, they may be on another project and 
that project may run a, a day later than they expected. So depending on what the scope of work is, sometimes we can you know, jockey a trade back and forth, bring the plumber in before the, the HVAC contractor, vice versa, um, just kind of make those things work for us. But that without a doubt has kind of been the, the biggest change. Um, one of the other unique things is actually having changes, actually having change orders. So right. when you're walking through with a client, you know, back in the production builder world, we didn't have a lot of change orders. And like I mentioned, you could, you could move a light fixture, or, but you weren't moving a wall. You weren't ordering a custom vanity or custom countertops that were going to have a six week, eight week lead time, stuff like that. So everything was pretty well structured and, you know, halfway, I think probably halfway through my, my tenure in the production builder circuit, we had changed to something we called simplification, which was kind of following the Toyota model where you had an X and XLE and, you know, an XLS version. So you would buy the good, better, or best of the house. And you didn't get to go through and say, you know, I want these countertops. I want this, you bought this package. So you got this countertop with this cabinet with, you know, you get to choose your color and, and items like that, but you only had five tiles to choose from. You only had five cabinet colors to choose from. You know, now you have infinity options. <laughs> so once you're into the, the custom, the custom world here, and it's, it's even been a challenge and I'm, you know, everybody can relate to it with COVID. Every one of these lead times has, you know, at least added two to four more weeks. So it's been a been a struggle. I don't know if that's, you know, obviously just something related to the the changing from from track building or production building over to custom, but it, it's definitely one of the hurdles we have to deal with. Scott, talk to me about the transition from coming from a company with thousands of employees to a ten person company. And, you know, it sounds like it was a new role within the company as the project manager. Um, just the overall, you know, the, the differences, the training, you know, you got to get in there. A lot of it's not as assembled as a, a larger company like that. But how, what's, what's that the biggest change been there in that transition? Um, Steve, I think probably the biggest change is just being able to have a, a voice in a lot of those things. So in track building, you have a, a purchasing team, you have an architecture team, you have a, a team that's writing all your contracts, where here that's a lot of that falls on myself. So uh, I work hand in hand with the architecture team and the design team. Um, you know, they sit five feet away from me in our office. Um, the other unique thing is our office is, is uh, pretty wide open. So we are actually in, I believe the building is a 1930s elementary school. And we are in what I believe was the gymnasium. So it's kind of a cool loft feel for our office, but at the same point in time, there isn't a whole lot of privacy. We're all wide open. Um, you know, I sit next to one of our architects who we kind of, we kind of sit in, in progressive order of how the project runs through our, our team from the initial project designer to the designer, to the design build manager, um, our design build manager basically takes our plans and gets them ready for permit and get some issued for construction. Um, so him and I have kind of a, you know, friendly banter back and forth, just builder architect. Um, so it's nice having that interaction and being close with your team, being able to make changes on the fly or address those changes and have your, your team there to do it. Um, you know, in the, in the industry, in the track home industry, I, I guess when it was booming, we had, you know, just even your construction trailer on the job site, we had a, a 
permit coordinator. We had a rough superintendent. We had a foundation superintendent. We had a trim superintendent. We had a warranty manager. We had a project manager. So all those, you know, eight, nine people. And then if you had a large enough site, you may have double for each one of those. So you may have, you know, 20 people working on one project. Um, and then when the market changed and the housing bubble burst, it was, you know, you were in charge of that, that job from cradle to grave. You were now the permit coordinator and the foundation <laughs> superintendent and the, the warranty manager. Um, so that kind of prepared me a little bit more for, for the role I presently have, but I definitely get to, you know, touch and be involved in a lot more of this project. Um, even from the design phase, I'll normally sit down with the, the, the design team's handoff just to kind of get my feet wet and get an understanding of the project, even though it won't, I won't see it for a couple, you know, at least probably a month after that. Um, but it just, we've got a great team. All the, the people we have working for us, like I said, there's 10 of us. And I feel like all 10 of us are A players at, at what our role is. So it's, it's good to have that camaraderie. It's good to have that openness. Um, you know, like I said, I, I get to be in charge or affect more of the business than I would in a track home. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, that's really cool. So there's a couple of things I want to, I want to explore with you. So you mentioned the scheduling and I believe somewhere in our pre-show communication, you had said something about getting jobs on, you know, getting live company, you know, working like on schedule. So schedule was huge in the track development because of the, you had to close a house in a certain number of days to make the profit margins and things like that. In the remodeling world, I'm sad to say, schedule doesn't seem to be as critical, although I am pushing, 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 you know, to get people to think it's critical. It's critical. It's just as critical, but people don't often think that way. So what have you, what have you done within the company to kind of, or was it maybe they were already on that track that it was you know, super critical, but what have you done to just kind of help a remodeling company see how important schedule is and try to, and to make it work, make the schedule work? Yeah, sure. It's definitely uh, in the production builder circuit that is paramount. Yeah. Um, schedule. I mean, basically our, our three things in our industry are, on time, on budget, and happy customers. Yeah. Um, in the production builder forum, I didn't have a whole lot to do with the budget, so that all the contracts were already done. You know, short of somebody making an error or something like that that had to be charged, or a client adding a light fixture or something like that, there wasn't a whole lot of effect that I had on on a budget. But schedule was paramount. We made sure our, our build times were tight. Again, you have trades that are a lot more accessible to you. Um, working for the largest company in the, the country at the time, we pretty much got the you know, creme de la creme of the trades. You know, we, we pretty much, whenever we needed somebody, they were there. If you right. had a, an issue, the trade was down the street and they could run back over and take care of that for you. Now it's a little bit more of a challenge, but bringing that, that mentality of building the schedule out ahead of time, um, making sure that the schedule is actually attainable. So I think that was kind of one of my big hurdles when I first came aboard here was we were using builder trend and we were using um, schedules, but we were kind of letting the, the trades run them. So it was you know, trade would get in there and do their job and we would wait until they were done to bring the next trade in. So I think a lot of my focus when I got here was let's build a, a schedule and 
you know, my first couple probably weren't the best because I was very aggressive saying, <laughs> oh, electrician only needs three days in this house. And, you know, all of a sudden the electrician can't get it done in three days. And now I'm trying to rebuild the schedule again. Right. So now we, we become a little bit more realistic and that's something I'll communicate with the trades and say, hey, you guys gave me your, your price on this. How many days do you think you need in the house? Right. And in a lot of instances, I'll just add a day to the days they gave us. The electrician tells me he needs four. I put five in there. But that way my schedule is realistic. And that way if he doesn't start on the day he's supposed to, you know, we've got a, a day of fluff in there. So it was making sure our schedules were a little bit more attainable and realistic. And that's one of the things we've been kind of driving home ever since is, you know, we can communicate that now three to four weeks ahead of time and hold people accountable because we are hitting those dates and, you know, be able to deliver our products. And usually, you know, we're quoting a certain amount of weeks to our clients as to how long the project's going to be. And almost every time we build our schedule, we're two to four weeks underneath what that, what that quoted time frame was. So it's, it's definitely been something that we've been using to our advantage and yeah, things are becoming a little bit more of a challenge now, again, with COVID and, yeah. and lead times. But uh, for the most part, that was a, a big difference for us. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to say right here, I experienced the lead time thing the other day. I'm planning to do a tile floor in my sunroom in my house. It's about 400 square feet of tile, so it's not a little project. But I've been talking to a tile company to buy the tile, and I said, I want to do this in June. And then, you know, three days ago, I sent an email that said, like, how, what's the lead time on the tile? And I get an email back that says, oh, we don't have enough of that in stock. It's, there's more coming on the freighter, you know? And I went like, oh no, if I hadn't asked, if I hadn't asked, they would have waited till I ordered and then they would have told me they didn't have enough. And I, I just, it just exemplified the problem that everybody that we communicate with is having, that those suppliers aren't proactive in giving you information. You have to be proactive in extracting information uh, from them. All right, yeah, so- I've never had to think about, I was gonna say, I've never had to think about a freighter in uh, construction. And I can't say how many times I've heard about freighters in the past, you know, three or four months and tile yeah. on them and appliances on them. And it's particularly critical with tile because an awful lot of it's coming from Italy and then landing in like probably for you, it, it might land in New York or it might come all the way in, you know, through the, the seaway. But anyway, just that's just one of those dynamics that's occurred to us uh, recently. So what about what? This is kind of a dangerous question, but what would a company do if they wanted to recruit somebody like you from a custom builder or a new home builder that you, you know, you have a good record of doing this and what, what do you think a company might, might be able to offer that would bring somebody in that has some of this thought process of the new home, but also has this creative side that, that uh, would really benefit a remodeler. Uh, I think one of those things is probably just understanding the clients or doing your best to understand the clients. So we don't always have the luxury of our clients moving out of the houses. Right. So understanding you're probably going to see that client on a daily basis. Um, Make sure you are always under promising and over delivering. 
So that's, you know, telling them you're going to be in there next week. The plumber is going to be done on Tuesday. You know, tell them the plumber is going to be done next week. Right. Don't, don't commit to a day. And even though you may be right, when the plumber is not done until Friday, they're going to notice. Um, so that's kind of one of the big things, I think, with just dealing with the clients. You don't have as much client interaction on the production builder side. You, you have a lot of structured appointments with them. And they, they do tend to you know, pop into their house after hours or on weekends. So they are seeing it, but they're not seeing it on a daily basis. Right. Um, and then I think lead times, like we talked about, is probably one of the biggest challenges or biggest things to, to kind of learn about or to pay attention to ahead of time. You, you're going to build your schedule off of those lead times. You know, before it was kind of you built your schedule off your permit. I got my permit. Let's build it and let, let's roll with it. Now you're looking at eight week, nine week, 10 week lead times on cabinets. It's not going to take me 10 weeks to get from permit to cabinets. So you're, you're kind of going through and looking at your schedule and building them according to that, which I think is maybe a little bit new of a concept for somebody coming from the production builder forum. So just to, just at running the risk of, of sort of throwing your bosses under the bus a little bit, but it sounds to me like, if someone were to hire someone from the new home world, that there really ought to be two, three, four weeks of indoctrination and training of like what is different in this world that we live. And so I'm just, you know, just kind of ask like, did you get some of that when you came in or, or was it kind of like I learned as I, as I went? Yeah. I, you know, both my bosses are great, um, but no, I didn't, I didn't get a whole lot of that. I don't think it was, it was necessary for me either. Cause I had actually worked in this, this forum already. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think there would be, you know, a couple of weeks, hopefully shadowing somebody just understanding that, you know, the, the process isn't nearly as streamlined, you know, all of our walls in, in production were, were pre-built and prefabbed. Um, so it's, it's definitely a different animal just coming in and, and building things in place. And like I said, some of these homes are 100 years old. So you're opening walls and dealing with cast iron and knob and tube and stuff like that. So some of that stuff is definitely going to be new to somebody who's green to this side of the business. So it, it would definitely, I would definitely suggest there should be a period of time where somebody's walking you through and kind of understanding this side of it. But I think there's an advantage to coming from, from that side and understanding an aggressive schedule and, and trying to, to keep things expedited as much as possible. Scott, was there anything that uh, you were able to bring to live companies, just kind of the over-processed nature of the track building where you were able to say, you know, this thing, this thing, I've got, you know, a new plan for that. You know, bringing from that, uh, that track builder, you're able to put into this new role at live companies. I think, again, that probably goes back to the schedule but a lot of the, the building sciences as well that I had, that I had learned through that company. Um, you know, I, I still remember when the, the energy code was pushed through and almost everything that came along with that energy code, we were already doing um, on a national level. Just again, we had a lot of liability. We were doing whatever we could to make our houses as tight as possible, um, as energy efficient as possible. So looking at a lot of these older homes and we opened up a wall that's lath and plaster and there's no insulation in it you know, what we could do to try and make that house perform to current standards when the house is a hundred years old. Yeah. So we recently had a house where we went through and bored two inch holes in every joist bay from the outside through the siding and blew an insulation to do the entire house 
you know, this is a hundred year old house. Right. So it's kind of understanding those concepts of how the house performs, what we can do to, to take an older house and try and get it up to today's standards, which is extremely difficult. You're not always going to get the whole thing up, but you know, if we're changing out all the windows in the house, there's a, there's a lot of things we're doing to that house that, you know, maybe we can find a way to implement some of those other building sciences and, and seal up that building envelope a little bit better. All right. So we're going to wrap up here, but I want to go back. I tried to, to ask this question. I think we got a little bit off of it, but just imagine yourself as a, a regular new home project manager, something like that. What would I have to do to offer you a job that where I could steal you away from that, that business? Because I value your schedule mindset, your knowledge of the industry, you know, your process driven. I value all that in my company. How could I recruit you away from what you seem to describe as a pretty cool job, <laughs> but I want you for my company? What, what, what might I do to entice you? Give me a big check. No. <laughs> um, I was afraid I, you were going to say that. <laughs> I think one of the big things, again, for me, it was, you know, the, the creativity. I, I didn't, and I think many of the people who go into that industry um, that are builders, they want to build. And it, it's, I, I feel like I get to build more here than, than I did in that forum. That forum was more of, you know, assembly line, putting parts and pieces together. Um, right. So again, I think you're probably gonna have to pull at the heartstrings of somebody who's got a creative side or wants to, to see different things. You know, there, there's definitely a, a place for many people to be in that industry. Right. And, you know, I don't have any, I don't have anything bad to say about it. It just, right. it probably wasn't the right fit for me, even for the 10 years I was there. Um, during those first couple of years, when the housing bubble was booming, I would have told you I'd have retired from there. <laughs> um, it's just a great place to work. And I was really proud of what we were doing, but it, it wouldn't have been, you know, my first choice of a company to go work for. So I think you kind of need to find, you know, the, the person who isn't interested in corporate America. This is more of a, a small business, more of a creativity, problem solving. I mean, I, that's probably the, the, the number one attribute you have to have to be good in this industry is problem solving. You're not going to quit. You're going to find a, a solution to the problem um, no matter what it takes. It's, and I think, you know, that mentality still comes from the production builder of having that do whatever you have to do to get, get the house done completed. Um, but having to be able to solve the problems of something new and, and I guess working on the old houses is, is a little bit more fun. So well, Scott, this has been fantastic. A lot of cool stuff uh, has come out. And I just want to encourage all the people listening in that, you know, your next hire for a production manager or a project manager might be from that new home world. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff that comes from it, obviously, from this uh, podcast. And uh, I think it's a market that maybe we need to look at a little more carefully from our vantage point. So Scott, thanks a lot for being part of this and uh, uh, taking some time. I appreciate you guys having me on. Tim, as the second go round of this topic, 
again, I think there's just so many different things that you can look at and pull from this podcast. I uh, obviously I thought um, what you mentioned and what, what uh, Scott had talked about with the personality and training with that yeah. identification. Uh, this is a very little thing, and I, other people could be doing this. I don't know why it's stuck so much, but the uh, the way they sit in the live company's office, I think, is fantastic <laughs> to to work along the the product or the the project scope. I thought was just a tiny little thing that I thought was was very cool. But you know, bringing somebody from this large environment, and it, it really is a huge transition to go from a corporate structure to a uh, to the small business side, there's just a lot of different nuances in that transition. But uh, I think Scott just added a, a ton of value today on not only you know potentially sourcing employees, but also what that transition will look like and what they could expect. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I'd like to emphasize is just that um, there is a market there, and you 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 heard him say. You know, I worked in it for 10 years. I really, uh, it really wasn't exactly what I wanted, but he loved it, you know, while he was doing it. But there was something else he inwardly wanted to do. And I think that would be the conversation that you would have with some of these people is, hey, here's an opportunity to, 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 to build things, to have some variety, to be creative, to interact with the clients, all the, all the things that some people might enjoy. And so that might be sort of the way that you recruit people that could bring a lot of value to your business. And this is, I think, one of the big things that I want to emphasize is this uh, pool of people has some incredible things to add to a business if we take advantage of it. But like I suggested right, right from the start, sometimes we, we look down on this part of our world like it's not worthy of us. And I think uh, Scott's shown us that it's worthy. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And where if people, uh, you know, they he said that they don't actively go after its personality and training. So it's not yeah. people that are in construction management degrees or have construction backgrounds. So if there is something that they're not satisfied in that role in the corporate structure, they can stay in construction. And, yeah. and you want to be have that available to your company from this pool. So uh, again, I want to thank Scott Frederick for joining us today. And we want to always thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler show. And remember at the Tim Fowler show, we're working hard to eliminate. It is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.